You're listening to TIP. Hey everyone, welcome to the Millennial Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Clay Fink, and today is the first release of our mini episode series that will be released every Saturday. As the Millennial Investing Show has grown over the years, we found it somewhat difficult to take us back to our roots of empowering millennial investors or oftentimes more beginner investors. Many of the guests we bring on are experts in their field, so sometimes the content can get fairly complex. With that, I bring you the mini episodes where it will be just me talking about a specific topic related to personal finance, money, investing, and other money challenges that millennials might face in regards to their finances. These episodes will be shorter than our other episodes where we typically interview professionals and industry experts in the finance space. We're planning to use these episodes to really dive into the weeds on specific topics to help provide you guys even more value in addition to the other episodes we already provide. If you have any topics or questions you'd like me to dive into in future mini episodes, feel free to DM me on Twitter at Clay underscore Fink. That's C-L-A-Y underscore F-I-N-C-K. Or you can shoot me an email at Clay at TheInvestorsPodcast.com. With that, let's dive right into today's episode. You're listening to Millennial Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your hosts, Robert Leonard and Clay Fink, interview successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire the millennial generation. All right. During this episode, I'm going to be covering some of the basics on how to build wealth. Before we dive specifically into how to build wealth, I'd like to mention that there are many definitions of wealth. There's financial wealth, meaning that you have a lot of money or you have a lot of financial assets. There's time wealth, meaning that you have plenty of free time and you get to spend your days however you'd like. And there are other types of wealth. But during this episode, I'm going to be focusing on financial wealth. The formula to building financial wealth is simple, but not necessarily easy. The first step is to spend less than you make. So if you take all the income you earn, let's say you earn $5,000 per month after tax for simplicity's sake. If you're spending less than $5,000, then you're going to have positive free cash flow and you'll have money left over to keep either as cash or use it to try and turn it into more cash. If you're spending more than you make, or in this case, spending more than $5,000, then you have negative cash flow, which means that your net worth would be decreasing over that month, all else being equal. So to fix that, there are two levers you can pull. You can either increase your income or decrease your expenses. The easiest and quickest way to bring that cash flow positive would be to cut unnecessary expenses. So if you're going out on the weekends and spending $200 a night every Friday and Saturday, then you need to ask yourself, is doing that more important than building wealth to you? I'd encourage everyone listening to this, if you haven't already, to create a list of all of your expenses over the most recent month and just go down the line and see if you've spent more or less than you might expect in certain categories. For example, a $10 meal at your local food joint down the street might not seem like much, but if you eat there five times a week for a year, that ends up costing you $2,600 over the course of a year, which in this case is over 4% of your income. If you spend $100 a weekend on alcohol and going out with friends, that ends up costing you $5,200 per year. That's not to say that you shouldn't go out to eat or you shouldn't have fun with your friends. You just need to be intentional with your spending decisions if you want to build wealth over time. Oftentimes, the best place to cut expenses is to look at what are the three biggest categories for most people. That is housing, transportation, and food. 
My co-host Robert Leonard has been able to turn his housing into an asset by house hacking a duplex and renting out the other side. He found a creative way to drastically reduce his housing costs. If you drive a $50,000 vehicle and make payments of $500, but you could get by just fine with a cheaper vehicle, then there is an easy way for you to reduce your transportation expenses. Either get your loan paid off on that vehicle or downgrade so that you can ensure you don't have any monthly payments going out every month to pay for the vehicle. I think another easy place to cut expenses is just to look at all of your subscriptions you are signed up for. If you're like myself and most other people, you'll find that a lot of subscriptions you sign up for, you don't really use that often. When I graduated college, I purchased cable TV and paid roughly $70 per month for television, but I found that I would watch TV maybe just a few times a month. So I cut my cable subscription and have ended up saving just over $4,000 since then just because of that one simple decision. So be sure to keep an eye out for those subscription services that you don't really use. And again, think about those big three categories, food, housing, and transportation. If you can try and limit those, then that will be the easiest places to cut your expenses. Also, I'd encourage the listeners to think about if what you're spending your money on is truly adding value to your life. Does it make you better? Does it make you happier? Or is it just a total waste of money? Ramit Sethi talks about this in his book, this idea of spending extravagantly on things you love and cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. For me, I don't mind spending a little bit more on quality clothing or a little bit more at the grocery store to ensure I'm getting the fuel I need each day to perform at my best. Other people might care way more about having a nice car or taking you know, these vacations. It really doesn't matter what you end up spending your money on specifically. Just make sure you are spending it intentionally and spending it in a way that reflects what you value. On episode 164, Jim Kreider and I discussed this idea that money is simply communicating what you value. I highly recommend you guys check out that episode with Jim if you guys haven't already. So outside of cutting your expenses, you can increase your income. This could mean so many things. You could get a promotion at work or switch to another job that offers a higher salary. You could pick up a side hustle that you do on the evenings or weekends. The list goes on. But the easiest way to start producing positive cash flow as soon as possible is to cut unnecessary expenses. Then you can focus on ways to increase your income if you'd like to go down that route. So to recap the first step to building wealth, you need to spend less than you make and produce positive cash flow. In a world full of instant gratification and short-term thinking, this can be hard for a lot of people to follow. Many people will spend more than they make, get into credit card debt, and dig themselves into a hole that is very difficult to dig yourself out of with all the interest you'd have to pay on that debt. Now, the second step to building wealth is to take that cash flow and invest it in appreciating assets. This is what we talk about a lot on the show. Investing in an appreciating asset could mean a lot of things. Some of the most obvious options for this is an index fund, a rental property, individual stocks, Bitcoin, a business, the list goes on really. I'm also assuming that you don't have any high interest debt. If you have debt with an interest rate of say greater than 5%, then I'd encourage you to knock out that debt as soon as you can. For example, if you had $10,000 in credit card debt and you're paying 16% interest, you're paying $1,600 a year just to hold that debt. It's going to be hard to get over a 16% annual return elsewhere. So it's probably wise to knock out that debt as soon as you can. Now, the reason you'll want to invest that money is because the money you earn at your job for many people is US dollars. These US dollars aren't going to keep their value over time because of inflation. 
Because the money doesn't hold its value over long periods of time, you need to put that money to work for you in assets. For example, had someone invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 just 10 years ago, that $10,000 today would be worth over $31,000 with dividends reinvested. Had you held that in cash, your real purchasing power would become less and less over time because those dollars will buy you less stuff due to inflation. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey guys, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I got married and one of the most stressful parts of our relationship has been trying to join our finances together. We all know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce, but Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Unlike other personal finance apps that we tried, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product, and they release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. Most importantly, they never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, my wife and I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners on this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com mi. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash mi for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com mi for an extended 30-day free trial. Hey guys, have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGPT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only does the research and analysis for you, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Well, wonder no more. Meet Meka, your AI-powered stock research assistant, now enhanced with real-time stock data. Let Meka do the heavy lifting for you to significantly reduce your research time. And the best part, Meka is 100% free. Ask Meka questions like, Explore the financial health of Apple through a summary of its balance sheet. Compare the financial statements of Apple and Tesla. What is the analyst price target for Microsoft? What is the social sentiment analysis of Amazon and millions of other queries right at your fingertips? Visit Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A dot com. Hey guys, when it comes to financial advice, you've got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever credit card was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? A free flight to a bucket list destination? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and much more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Check out nerdwallet.com and start making smarter financial decisions. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, back to the show. The most popular option among society is probably index funds as an investment tool, as they're a popular tool used in retirement accounts and have had a very long track record of returns in the 8 to 10% range for investors that are in it for a long period of time. The appreciating assets of choice for me are index funds and Bitcoin. 
I like index funds because they are a great way to build wealth over the long run. During a depressionary type scenario, they could go down 40 or 50%, but over the long run, they tend to perform very well. I also have high conviction on Bitcoin, which has appreciated at roughly 150% annually over the past decade. You know, historical returns are no guarantee of the future, but that's just for reference. I believe that we'll continue to see rapid adoption all over the world and still has massive upside potential as the market cap or the total value of the Bitcoin network is still under $1 trillion, while another hard money asset like gold has a market cap of roughly $10 trillion. So that gives me sort of an asymmetric bet with high upside potential, but my downside potential is capped to what I have invested. If you're interested in Bitcoin and want to start learning more, I'd recommend checking out my episode with Andy Edstrom, which is episode 128, or our episode with Jeff Booth, which is 134. Both of these are fantastic episodes with very knowledgeable guests. So when I think about the appreciating assets I want to invest in, I think about if I expect that asset to beat the market or beat something like the S&P 500. If I don't think there's a good probability of that, then I think I'm just better off investing in you know, the S&P 500 or just the general stock market. For example, I had Justin Hewn on the Millennial Investing Show back on episode 136 to talk about the uranium sector. And after doing my own research and chatting with Justin, I ended up taking roughly a 2 or 3% overall position in the uranium space. I think there's a good chance it'll do very well over the next few years and outperform the S&P 500. But of course, there are no guarantees. For my co-host, Robert, he really likes investing in real estate. A lot of times with his real estate deals, he's able to invest in a property that produces a cash-on-cash return of, say, 10% or more, and also get many tax benefits and the appreciation of the home. So with a lot of his rentals, he's probably able to beat the returns of an index fund consistently. He just has to put in a bit more work in doing so and finding the properties to purchase as well as managing tenants and turnover and such. So it's not quite as passive as simply buying an index fund. Two of the most important aspects of investing is investing early and investing often. Charlie Munger is known for saying the first 100K is difficult, but you just have to get it done. What he means by that is getting your portfolio value to $100,000. And the reason for that is because once you have a strong foundation of assets working for you, compound interest will start to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. For example, if you have $10,000 and you earn a 10% return, that's only $1,000, which really isn't all that much in the grand scheme of things. But if you have $100,000 and you earn a 10% return, that's $10,000 added to your net worth. And that is the point at which returns on your money really start to make a bigger difference. It will take many years to get to that first 100,000, but it is 100% worth the journey, in my opinion, to get that strong foundation put in place to work for you for the remainder of your life. To help illustrate the power of compound interest, consider someone who saves $10,000 and earns an average rate of return of 7% per year. That person would accumulate $100,000 in almost eight years. The next $100,000 would come in just over five years. The third $100,000 would come in almost four years, and the fourth $100,000 would be in just three years. So in this example, saving the first $100,000 took this person almost eight years, but saving the fourth $100,000 only took three years, and it only gets shorter and shorter after that, assuming that they continue to earn that 7% annual return and continue to invest $10,000 per year. And this is the trick that a lot of rich and wealthy people use to their advantage. They invest early, they invest consistently and often, 
And given enough time, they let compound interest do a lot of the work for them. And they just sit back and enjoy the investment gains. And you can get these returns over a long-term time horizon simply by buying an index fund like the S&P 500. My favorite is the Vanguard ETF, which is a ticker VOO, which you should have access to on just about any stockbroker. This example also doesn't consider any increases in your amount invested, which would also help accelerate the growth of your portfolio. Albert Einstein has the quote related to this that I'll never forget. It goes, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it, and he who doesn't pays it. This leads us to the topic of financial independence or the FIRE movement, which stands for financial independence, retire early. This movement hits really hard on the 4% rule, which states that you are financially independent once your portfolio value is 25 times your annual expenses. So if your annual expenses are around $50,000 per year, then you'd need a portfolio of stocks at around $1.25 million or $50,000 times 25, which I believe is a lot less than many of us might expect they would need to retire, You know, given they'd need to spend $50,000 per year. The 4% rule stems from if you had 1.25 million in your portfolio, you'd be able to withdraw 4% every year indefinitely as the value of your portfolio is expected to go up over time. There is a whole lot that goes into this that we can maybe dive into in another mini episode. Two other tips I would strongly recommend to people is to automate your investments and to minimize your investment fees. Automating your investments will ensure that you're staying consistent. And if you're investing the day you receive your paycheck, it's like you don't even see that you ever had the money. So it's a good way to ensure you're continually investing in the market and dollar cost averaging or just averaging in whether the market's up or down and not trying to time it. Also, always be aware of the investment fees you are paying. Nowadays, almost everyone should have the option to invest in a low cost index fund in their 401k, IRA or brokerage account. And these are types of retirement accounts for those of you in the US. Any fees in excess of 1% is excessive in my opinion. Most people should have an option to invest in a fund with an expense ratio less than 0.2%. For reference, Vanguard's S&P 500 index fund, VOO, has an expense ratio of only 0.03%. So that's practically a 0% fee. I'd encourage the listeners to think about your personal finances like a CEO or CFO would think about the finances of a business. They're trying to optimize their finances to maximize the value of their business. Once you start producing positive cash flow and invest in appreciating assets, it's only a matter of time before you are financially wealthy, whether that be $500,000 or $1 million, everyone's number is going to be different on what they need financially. The more cash flow you're able to generate, the more you're going to be able to invest in appreciating assets. The faster your assets are appreciating, the faster you'll build wealth. It's really that simple. I hope you found this first mini episode helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with at least one of your friends. We would really appreciate you helping us spread the word about the show so we can continue to provide you all of this content for free. Again, feel free to reach out to me if you'd like to provide any feedback on the episodes or you want to let me know what topics or questions you'd like to learn more about in the future. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to TIP. Make sure to subscribe to We Study Billionaires by the Investors Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, we teach you about Bitcoin and every Saturday, we study billionaires and the financial markets. To access our show notes, transcripts, or courses, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. 
Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.